0: Christ demonstrates his love for us. When we were still yet sinners, when we falter, when we stumble, Christ still died for you and me. Man, that... Who am I? No one. And yet with Christ, he has made me... More than a conqueror. Yeah. This morning we're going to continue in our, our study of God of the underdog. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed uh, preaching it. Uh, but we've looked, and you'll know, we've looked at several different um, people in uh, Scripture. If you want to open your Bibles to John 6, that's where we're going to be today. John 6. And just kind of hold there. We'll come back around to that in a minute. What we've looked at, you remember, we've looked at Gideon and how Gideon was used in a way where he was always overlooked, right? The weakest of the smallest clan was Gideon. Always overlooked, and God used him in a mighty way. 30,000 men. 300 and saying that's too many men 10,000 God saying that's too many men you will think you did this I want you to know I did this then we looked at Ruth you remember the story of Ruth and how Ruth was a widowed foreigner she wasn't part of the Hebrew nation and yet God grafted her in to the line of David into the line of Christ. And then we studied Rahab. Rahab who had, she was a prostitute. And yet in her faithfulness and choosing God over all those other things that might have come in the way, She also was grafted in to the lineage of King David and of Christ. I think God loves the underdog very deeply. And then last week, you'll know we weren't here in person, but hopefully you had a chance to watch on on our Facebook page about the four lepers. You know the story of the four lepers who... Were destitute. I mean, leprosy, they they kicked you out because they didn't want it to spread around. So they were destitute. And God used four lepers, four diseased people to bring salvation to Israel. Who does that but our God? Today I want to, we've looked at all these Old Testament. Today I want to jump into the New Testament. And talk about a boy. You've heard this story. We've read it many times. You've studied it many times. But John 6, starting with the first verse, and it reads as follows. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. A bite. One. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. That means there was a lot more than that. Probably more like around 15,000. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And remember... A half a year's wage for one bite. Gave them as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they, had all, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. There's a sermon there in and of itself. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Take that. Now, we've heard this story over and over again, but let's really just let it seep in the amazingness of God. It would take half a year's wages to feed all these people. Thousands and thousands of people. And Andrew says, Hey, there's a boy. Brought his lunch. Let's take his lunch. No, I didn't say it that way. (laughs) He has five bread. Now, and when we talk about bread, don't think of like the bread where you buy at the store. We're talking about bread. Five pieces of bread, tiny. And two small fishes. Half a year's wage, and everyone would only get about a bite. God used five small pieces of bread and two fishes, and everyone ate as much as they wanted. And there were still left over. God does so much with so little. And for me, praise God, because I, to God I have so little to offer, and yet God takes my so little and makes it so much. But I want to look at the boy. He's, one, he's just a child. Oftentimes, oftentimes in ministry, oftentimes in life, not always, but sometimes in life and in ministry, we overlook children and what they can contribute to the ministry. We look at them as something that we need to minister to, and absolutely we should be ministering to children, for they are surely the heartbeat of Christ. Let the little children come to me, right? But we also shouldn't negate what they have to offer as small or insignificant. Because again, God uses small or, quote, insignificant to great effect. Proverbs 20.11 says this, Even a child makes himself known by their acts by whether their conduct is pure and upright. And again, we know how Jesus felt about children. But we ourselves also need to look, and sometimes we say to God, well, I'm too young, or I don't have enough experience, so what you're calling me to do, what you are asking me to do is too much for me. Well, let me tell you. This letter that was written to Timothy by Paul. 1 Timothy 4:12 says this, "Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are inexperienced." Now, we take that as people should respect me. No, that is not what Paul is saying to Timothy. Paul is saying be prepared And I love that out of thousands of people, this one boy is the only one that brought his lunch. He was prepared. He's got a good mama right there. (laughs) Be prepared. Because at any moment, your Lord will call on you to do something miraculous. Be prepared. You know what I mean? Pray. Read your Bible. Know that God is a great God of generosity. And because of that great generosity, this boy gave everything he had. All of it. Well, I I, I mean, I guess I won't eat. Here you go. All of it. sometimes that feels like a lot for God to ask but I am telling you you receive so much more than you could ever imagine when you give it all to him for his glory for his purpose twelve baskets full I find it interesting too as I was studying this passage of Scripture, you will know that it's not just found in the book of Job. This story, this miracle, is also found in the book of Matthew, it's found in the book of Mark, and it's also found in the book of Luke. Right, So it's in all four Gospels. you want to guess how many Gospels mention this boy? One. The other three... Leave him out. I find that very interesting. That there's this glaring omission in the other three's telling of this miracle. He is seemingly overlooked or decided by the other officer. Maybe it wasn't that important part of a, of the story. ever feel overlooked ever feel left out let me tell you this morning that you and I need to be an encouragement to those around us we need to acknowledge those who help us colossians 3 23 and 24 says this whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the lord as a reward it is the lord christ you are serving now we look at this and say well these three gospel writers left this poor boy out but i tell you also this poor boy didn't have no pity party about any of this Sometimes when we feel left out, let me encourage you again with Colossians 3.23. Work as if you are working for the Lord, not for each other. Right? Work as if you are lurk, working for the Lord, not for people to look at you and say, well, that guy's all right. I like her. Work as if you are lurking, working for the Lord you will receive an inheritance from the, the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving what about this in 1st John chapter 2 starting with the 16th verse it says this, our foolish pride comes from this world, and so do our selfish desires and our desire to have everything we see. None of this comes from the Father. The world and, its desi- and the desires it causes are disappearing, but if we obey God, we will live forever. Yeah. Let me tell you, as the body of Christ, we should be encouraging to one another. We should be holding one another accountable. But friends, you need to do what Christ called you to do, whether anyone sees it or not. This boy is only mentioned once. And praise God, he did what he did. And we can talk about it thousands of years later. About the greatness of God and when we offer all that we have to him. This last thing really stands out to me as, 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 as I read this story and, and I think about the boy and I think about Christ and I think about you and me and I think about our relationship with one another and with Christ and it's this, God takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. It's just the boy's lunch. That's all it is. I mean, what could be more ordinary than a boy and his lunch? Now, I find it interesting, too, that most likely this boy, who, again, he's unnamed, but most likely this boy, when he left home that morning, he didn't plan to be a part of a miracle with his meager offering and that wasn't in his mind it was just i'm gonna go about my day and yet god used him because he was prepared to give it all away think of this There's there's instances over and over again in Scripture of God taking ordinary things and making them extraordinary. Think of this. Where did you and I come from? We were formed out of dust. Ordinary dust. Look how extraordinary each and every one of you are. How unique and different you are by your Creator who made us out of dust. Dust. Think about Moses. You know the story where the burning bush, God in the burning bush says to Moses, what's in your hand? A staff. And What did Moses do? What did God do through Moses and that staff? How many miracles did he perform through a staff, a shepherd's crook? An ordinary tool that he used every day once he left Egypt. And became a shepherd every day. This thing that was always with him. God used this ordinary thing and did extraordinary. What about David? Little David and his sling. Again, something he had every day. That he used to to protect the sheep that was used for salvation for a whole nation. What about the story of Samson and a jawbone and what he does with a boat? That's just in the Old Testament. Let's jump into the New Testament and think about Jesus and turning water, ordinary water, into wine. And we've looked at that miracle and how important that was for that time and in that culture. Or the simple words of Jesus saying, cast your nets on the other side. What about this? A simple touch that healed a leper. Something ordinary. Just a touch that healed someone who was untouchable. You see, in that moment, Jesus could have just been like, You're healed, go away now. That's not what he did. He reached down and touched the untouchable, essentially saying, You are welcome, you are loved. Something ordinary is extraordinary. What about mud? Jesus taking mud, making mud out of his spit. How gross is that? And putting it on someone's eyes to heal them of their blindness. A simple word Lazarus, come forth. Ordinary words. That raised Lazarus from the dead. And so many more. Think of your own life. What ordinary thing has God used for his extraordinary purpose? 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 20 says that says this, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. That's who our God is. He works in the ordinary. He works with the underdogs. It's amazing to me. The thing that keeps coming to me over and over again after, as we've studied these past five weeks and as we finish up next week in week six, the thing that keeps coming back to me over and over again is just who am I who am I that God would want to use me? Who am I that God chooses the underdog over and over again? I will boast all the more in my weakness because when I am weak, Christ Jesus is strong. Yeah. Friends, we've got to stop measuring our effectiveness. We need to stop measuring our worth. We need to stop measuring... our our mission and what we have in front of us by what the world says is important and trust more in what God has for us because your worth is far exceeding what the world would value you at God loves you with a deep deep love beyond all we can fathom I don't know why I have failed so many times, and God still lavishes his love on me. He loves an underdog like you and like me. This morning I'm going to ask Evangeline again if she'll come back to the piano. And as the piano plays this morning... Don't allow the world, don't allow your circumstances, don't allow others to tell you who you are in Christ. He's just a boy. Use all that Christ has given you for his purpose. Friends, if you feel discouraged because you feel maybe you've maybe are overlooked or left out, let me encourage you this morning that you and I don't work for human praise. You and I work for Christ Jesus. You and I work for an inheritance that moth and rust and thieves cannot break in and take. You and I work because I don't want... I want as many people as possible to come with me when I get to when I am glorified and presented before God the Father in heaven. I want as many people salvation is literally our middle name. We need to be about that, man. This morning again as she plays won't you let God the Father move in your life won't you let him take those ordinary things that you see and you use every day to do something extraordinary with it takes faith So the boy had to give his lunch away for God to use it fully Won't we step out in faith and knowing in the hope that God will take our meager offering of five small loaves of bread and two fish and do something extraordinary with it. Something extraordinary so much so that they will be talking about it for years. talking about how God the Father used you and me to do something miraculous. I read these stories in the Old and New Testament and I always come back to the same thing about these people. Why not now? Why not today? And there is no good reason why not now, why not today, except that I don't trust maybe as much as I should. Why not now? Why not today? Won't you come this morning? Father, thank you because you are mighty. Thank you because because your heart beats for your creation, and for whatever reason, you have chosen the underdogs. You have chosen the foolish, the weak things of the world, in order to do mighty things. And Father, today. May we live in your strength and power. May when people see us and watch us do what we do day in and day out, may they look and say that there's something different about us. May we do something so amazing in your name that it is clear there's no way we could have pulled that off. Only you could do it. Father, for your mission, make us holy. Thank you that not only do you bring salvation, you bring sanctification and holiness. You give purpose and mission. Be with us this day, and as we go throughout the week, may we be your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece. May our heart beat like yours. In Jesus' name. Amen.